0: Today on Locked on White Sox, I talk to Janice Scurio about the 2022 Chicago White Sox.
1: You are Locked on White Sox, your daily Chicago White Sox podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome into Locked on Sox. Thank you for making Locked on White Sox your first listen each and every day we're free and available on all platforms. We're free and available on platforms like Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown socks and you can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore w underscore Anderson. big day on Lockdown socks this is the second YouTube video that we have. go follow us on YouTube locked on socks. we should be the only channel that pops up there. there should be I think four videos now. Uh, four with uh, three without video and then one with me talking to you about Yoan mancada and I guess there's a fifth one now and it's this episode I talk with Stereo about the 2022 baseball prospectus essay on the 2022 white sox this is the baseball prospectus 2022 guide to the season and in every single uh you know page of this is filled with baseball content and here, is the white Sox page look at that and and janice wrote this page and she wrote on on this page and i highlighted all of it isn't that crazy look at that and all that nice and this is all stats and everything and james vegan wrote the uh, player comments about the uh, stats underneath each player so it's a it's a must-have for baseball fans and I, I i really 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 urge you to go pick it up you will learn a lot and you will learn a lot from this conversation with me and janice Janice is the co-host of the Northside Sox podcast with Sam Sherman. She is also a co-host of the Estrogen podcast with Crystal O'Keefe, Keelan Ballou, and Colleen Sullivan. And she writes for Sports Illustrated, Southside Sox, NBC Sports, Edge Baseball, and of course, Baseball Prospectus. And I asked Janice, we start our conversation off by asking about the, oh, hold on one, one second too, I didn't plug. You can follow her on Twitter at Scuriosa, at S-C-U-R-I-I-O-S-A. I start off by asking Janice what she thinks and when she thinks the MLB lockout will end.
1: If the season does start on time, uh, we can pretty much assume that uh, the players union had to give up an excessive amount of concessions uh, to actually come to agreement to an agreement on the CBA. Um, But it does not surprise me that no progress has been made. Uh, and I mean, just more Nathan for you memes where he's like he, t- he takes the cover off of the dinner plate and is like, I hope you're hungry for nothing. <laughs> uh, and the news today that apparently they need to bring in the feds to help uh, push the conversation forward, which I think is I, I, I don't know if I feel better about that or considerably worse.
0: Yeah, I um, saw a thing where the NHL lockout was helped by federal uh, negotiators in 2013. But then when baseball tried to do it in 94, uh, they came to an agreement and then there was seven more months of a lockout. And knowing baseball, even though, you know, 1994 is still, you know, 20, 30 plus years, whatever later, I still feel like that would happen. Like baseball would get a federal negotiator and, and then they'd still be like, no, it's OK. You know, I, I just I have no faith in these people at all um i have no faith in the way, you know the way that they allow people in their ballparks i have no faith in uh the way that they run their teams so i just have no faith that you know they're going to represent the players correctly or fans and i just the longer and longer we go you know on i just i don't see that they're going to start on april whatever
1: yeah i have zero confidence that the season is going to start on time uh which i mean i'm, I'm going to be slightly selfish for a moment uh I, I am admittedly kind of mad that I, I, I now live within you know walking distance of the ballpark and uh, the season's not, I'm not even gonna get a full season. I mean like I'm, I'm theoretically going to live there for quite a while now but uh, it, it's it's definitely kind of the a, a case of immediacy here where it's like uh, um, I don't know. I I I I can't say that I miss baseball because Major League Baseball is not the only form of baseball in the world. But it's it's what we grew up with. It's what I grew up with. It's what we're used to. It's marketed to us as being uh, the highest level of of quality, like just in the entire world. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean it it's, it still sucks, uh, and that's just something I'm going to have to. You know, selfishly just get over.
0: Well, and selfishly, I mean, you've gone to a couple cool Sox games over the past two years. I know that you covered the Lucas Giolito no-hitter. I know you were out with Tanny and Herb at Pittsburgh uh, in, in 2021. Was, yeah. So now you're going to be closer to the ballpark. I mean, what what has been at the being at the ballpark in 2022 and 2021? What has that been like for you? What were some of the standout moments?
1: Goodness. I went to a lot of games in 2020. Uh, just mainly because I was just suffering from withdrawal. Uh, 2020, uh, I I got to attend a handful of those games, and I'm deeply privileged to have done that. Uh, It it was just absolutely mind-blowing that, one, that there was a season to begin with in 2020, uh, and two, uh, that I was one out of a handful of people that got to experience games in person. Uh, so it was, uh, myself and my colleague at Northside Sox and Southside Sox, uh, Sam Sherman, uh, he and I actually saw the game together and that was actually the day that we first met in person. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely kind of a, a really great thing to take in tandem. And it's almost kind of like a, something that strengthens your friendship with somebody is to witness some sort of historical event. And, uh, yeah, that that that's something that I bring up with Sam all the time. It's like, yeah, yeah, we we saw that together. That was totally cool. Like we, we completely just validated each other's experience by taking that game in. Uh so yeah, I, I I saw a lot of games in 2021. And probably my big highlight, uh, first of all, um, I met up with a bunch of the folks from White Sox Twitter that I had befriended over the 2020 season. And it was all just like long distance friendships, it felt like I I had like just talked to people, I'm realizing. That I have more interests with a, with a handful of folks that expand beyond baseball, and I'm like, uh, dang, okay, um, I'm feeling a little lonely here. I'm, I'm feeling a little, um, you know, pandemic cabin fever. Uh, so as soon as, of course, it was safe enough that I felt safe enough to do so, uh, I had I went to the ballpark, met up with those people, uh, yeah, and took in some games. So probably uh, one of the most memorable games I saw in person was probably uh, Nick Madrigal's first home run. Uh, Nice. (laughs) First of all, I was waiting in line for ice cream uh, when the home run actually happened. (laughs) Um, I was uh, waiting uh, in line with my friend Ashley. Ashley. Uh, and we're just, you know, I, I think it was the first time we, that we had met in person as well. And so, you know, we're just chatting, you know, waiting for our little helmet soft serves or whatever. And all of a sudden we just hear this roar this, in the background. And I have no idea what the hell is happening. And so I hear just the scoreboard popping off. And I'm, of course, I'm just like, all right, someone hit a home run. I just don't know who. And all of a sudden I just hear someone shout out, magical, magical. I'm like, what? <laughs> Seriously? Holy crap. Um, and the and, fact that he got uh, two
0: was probably the most you know crazy part of twenty twenty one was not only did we sure. see one, you know he was able to follow it up,
1: yeah, exactly. And I think that was what everyone was afraid of that you know, this excellent contact hitter was now hitting for power. So uh, watch out. Watch out uh, well, of course. Not. Oh yes, and now it's going to be watch out Atlanta NL Central I guess. Um but we don't have to talk about that if you don't want to.
0: Yeah, thank God he's not in our division. Um <laughs> with uh, tw- uh 2021 though, I know that you were you were you know one of the last people at the ballpark too. You were at Game Four. Um, I had I to clean up an entire bottle of glass olive oil that I spilled into, you know, on my floor. So that was my Game Four watching experience. Thankfully, I didn't actually have to take in the game, uh, but you did. Uh, what's your, did. your your last thoughts on you know how we left the socks in Game Four?
1: Goodness. Well, uh, I, I hope your your floor is hardwood, and I hope it's like n- n- nice and moisturized. It was right
0: laminated. Now. Yeah, getting under oh, the oven was yeah. real tough.
1: Oh no! Oh no! All That's right. For the was, next, was, yeah
0: next tenants just, that's their I issue
1: i was picturing this like nicely just well moisturized hardwood floor that's shiny uh but no uh, the way you described it no that, that actually kind of sucks so i'm sorry um it's all good.
0: i was more but, upset about the
1: game honestly but yeah uh, i was too uh so uh, to not go off on too much of a tenant i actually had tickets to game three Uh, And I had to sell my ticket to game three because it was also the day of uh, my friend's wedding and I was standing up for it. So I was very happy to do so. Uh, So even though uh, there was definitely some residual butthurt uh, from not being able to see game three uh, and how awesome it ended up being. Uh, I managed to sell my ticket and use the proceeds to get a ticket for game four. And so the entire time I'm holding my bouquet, uh, my, my little bridesmaid bouquet, I'm like, all right, if the White Sox win, then I get to see one more game. Uh, I, I basically felt like I was you know like free downloadable content. All right. So the White Sox need to win this. Uh, and then uh, yeah, they, they unlock me. I get to go to another <laughs> game. Right? So uh, yeah, did you have your uh, phone
0: like propped up in the the flowers?
1: Uh, almost, almost. Uh, I actually showed enough restraint to put it away uh, for the entire time, but I did have my my Apple Watch on for, the, t- for push notifications for the score. Um, but uh, yeah, um, as soon as you know they completely locked it in, I was like, all right, uh, not only. Uh, Did I get to celebrate my friend's big day? I get to see another White Sox game. Uh, But yeah, game four was just uh, it it, it honestly just felt like a freebie. Um, I kind of knew that things probably weren't going to go well, uh, just mainly due to the fatigue the pitching staff was already facing. Uh, I knew Carlos Radon's innings had been significantly reduced. So uh, even though I had faith in him, I didn't think he would go past a few innings, which happened to be the case. Um, And of course, uh, the Astros lineup also happened, too. So I I, kind of knew that it wouldn't go well, but I tried my best to just have a good time. Uh, So, yeah, it was all about the people. It was all about the friends I was with. And, you know, the last few moments hanging out at the Craft Cave, uh, Section 108, Uh, walking around the concourse yeah absolutely Uh, so it it was really more so uh, you know what Um, uh, maybe the White Sox were playing with house money Uh, maybe they could have gone a little bit further but it was really more so just taking the experience in and preparing for 2022
0: excuse me hey there it's the new year so that means new year's resolutions if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier make sure you include built bar in your plan Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolutions because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill, Built Bars are carved in 100% real chocolate. They're going to taste like a candy bar, but you know, you think about a candy bar has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs, where a Built Bar, again, made of 100% real chocolate has only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. And the best part, my favorite part about Built Bar is there's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. Built is always coming out with new and limited time flavors too, so you have to check out built.com to see what's new. And you can go get them for a little bit cheaper. If you go to built.com, you use promo code LOCKED15, you can get 15% off your order. You can try out all of these great flavors and you can get 15% off. Who doesn't like 15% off? Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. I'm talking with Janice Scurio, the writer for Baseball Prospectus 2022 White Sox essay. You split it up into five stories. She's also the host of the Side Sox podcast with Sam Sherman. Shout out to Sam. Shout out to Estrogen Power Hour as well, another podcast you host. Um, but writing for Baseball Prospectus, writing for uh, NBC Sports Edge Baseball, and also Southside Sox. Um, a lot of White Sox baseball you took take in. Talk about all the games that you went to. How shocked were you? when Tony La Russa was named manager?
1: Uh, like many folks, I thought it was a joke, uh, just mainly because there was so much smoke around it. And at the time, it just seemed uh, a little uh, ass backwards, right? So it's like, all right, so you already have this incredibly accomplished, decorated, uh, retired, seemingly retired, A manager who's been out of the game for quite a while, but has been kind of hanging around on the peripheral uh, with uh, with with some organizations. it really made no sense, especially when there's a crop of uh, fresh young talent, uh, you know, managers looking to get into coaching positions and get their foot in the door, uh, just mainly because, yeah, we do see a lack of like, especially uh, like black managers, um, like Latino managers, uh, managers of of other races as well. Uh, so it's so like, uh, yeah, this opportunity definitely could have gone to, you know, someone else perhaps uh, from an underrepresented group. Uh, But of course, um, instead of that, uh, we get someone who is already, you know, is is already like pretty accomplished so it really made no sense like what is he trying to achieve like like like, like what right. is the purpose of him coming back
0: well and i love the way that you described it it's like reheating like attempting to reheat french fries like it's it's just <laughs> never works maybe it works if you put it in the oven but it's really specific circumstances i thought that was great and and just the idea of you described his character development as as static and that's you know something i was asked when i was on the good guys talk back Uh, podcast they asked me you know what is still left for Tony and the only thing I can think of is to win that fourth ring but I still don't understand like where the motivation is coming from him I I don't see you know he he seemed to get into it more and more as the season was going on but even early in April and May it just didn't seem like he was locked in as the manager so not only you know you know taking away from a a misrepresented group like Ricky Renteria with his uh, Hispanic uh, heritage you know Tony then also being Jerry's buddy, the way that you described it, of like, you know, being fired by the long term uh, broadcaster, it just leaves a sour taste in my mouth because I don't know if this team has the right person driving the machine. And I know managers don't matter much to me, but do you have any of those worries with the 2022
1: Sox? <laughs> Um, I did notice that near the end of the season, uh, the players were definitely warming up to him and uh, Tony was definitely warming up to uh, his players, uh, which should have been the case from the get-go. Uh, but I, I will give him credit for that. And I mean, uh, like, like I'm on the outside, we're all technically on the outside. Uh, so, I mean, like, like maybe we really don't know, but of course, like those are just the optics. That's just everything. That's how everything appears. Uh, but at this point, I mean, yeah. I definitely want uh, Tony to get along with his players Uh, and kind of what when I was writing uh, the baseball prospectus essay, uh, the first in the first draft I wrote, I actually did not mention Tony at all. And I thought that, oh, you know, maybe it's going to be more of an intentional, hilarious oversight that perhaps uh, one of the most uh, polarizing events to happen to, uh, the 2021 White Sox, uh, like, oh, this writer just completely, you know, chose to ignore him altogether. But the more I thought about it, the more interesting of an angle it was to explore. So I wanted to look at Tony as more of a fictional character. So perhaps, you know, uh, if the White Sox were an HBO original series, uh, and I mean, like, I I don't know, like, I'm not sure if I would want to watch, say, the 2021 White Sox over, like, Euphoria, maybe. Actually, you know what, maybe I would rather watch the White Sox. Um, So, like, I began to think about Tony as, you know, a fictional character and say what his development would look like over the course of time. But of course, at the very beginning of the season, uh, yeah, he really has, like, no, no clear motivations. Like, Is he just trying to uh, right or wrong? Is Jerry trying to right or wrong? Uh, is is this just perhaps an attempt to reconnect with his past self? Uh, there, there's maybe something that we're missing here, but for the most part, um, especially in April and May, we're just kind of seeing this old dude uh, just uh, existing. Right, and present. I think
0: I think what might be missing is just his. And I, don't, I know he loves baseball, but it just seems like I don't know. I think that he knows baseball. It might be comfortable for him to return to baseball, but it just doesn't seem like he is there like he used to be. I mean, people describe him. I w- I'm not old enough for Tony La um, I wasn't around in 1983, but you know, it, it just, it seemed like he was a completely different person back then because he was younger and had completely different motivations. Um, I want to talk to you now about uh, Carlos Rodan. I think that he, there's still an opportunity that he comes back in 2022. I love the way that you described him. I have very similar feelings. Just the the joy I saw in him succeeding in 2021 was great. Um, and I hope he gets paid, you know, him and his family are great. And I, I you know, he deserves that. Uh, but what do you think if this is the end of Carlos Rodon in a White Sox uniform, how do you
1: look back at his career? Oh, goodness. Uh, yeah. Carlos Rodon section of my essay was definitely kind of, you know, giving him his flowers, uh, flowers for Elgar Rodon. I, I titled it. So um, yeah, uh, it was sort of a, Uh, more, it was, I I meant for it to be sad. And I, and I think I I achieved that uh, where I'm just like, yes, um, you, uh, you know, just like this generalized fan are thinking about this player's career and all of the adversities he went through, um, just the Tommy John surgery and all of the setbacks and uh, the fact that, yeah, he was non-tendered before having or coming back and having the best season of his career, uh, throwing a no hitter uh, just so soon after having Tommy John surgery. That's absolutely incredible. Uh, it, it's the bounce back story of the year. i, I like, it's absolutely just heartwarming. And of course, too, there's this, you know, lingering uh, thought in the back of your mind where you're just like, all right, uh, but uh, it's a one year deal. Uh, he's headed towards free agency. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, uh, later on in the season, uh, you're noticing that he's wearing down. Uh, the His innings pitched are considerably higher than any, in, like the, the prior mm-hmm. two years he's pitched. So there's definitely some concern there. Uh, but... Uh, goodness. Um, I, I, do hope he gets his money. Uh, if he does come back to the white Sox, that would certainly just be a very welcome. Uh, and, uh, I, I would, I would be happy to see him back right. is what I'm trying to say, but I, I would be very happy to also see him get paid.
0: Yeah, I was really just surprised too, because I went back to my baseball prospectus guide from 2021 that I never read. Um, and in those, James Fegan wrote, there's no surgery that can recreate Rodan of 2016, just an exploratory one to discover what remains of him in 2021. And I think we saw a lot of what remains with Carlos uh, Rodan. I would love to see him back. I mean, do you think that it, there's a possibility? Like I look at it and I, I keep saying that I was shocked that they didn't extend the qualifying offer. But then again, that's like a $15 million raise. And we know the white socks and money, it's a little tricky. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, do you think that there's a possibility? Do you have a meter? Is there a Janus meter? Like, you know, 70% chance, 50% chance. I mean, what, what do you think about the possible reunion?
1: Oh, goodness. Um, I think they're probably going to move on. Uh, but of course, too, you think about that rotation and uh, left handed pitching uh, is much to be desired now. So the only uh, the only available option now, hypothetically, if if no one else is added is just Dallas Keuchel, uh, which does not make me feel good. But uh, goodness. Yeah, uh, I, I have I think they're going to move on uh, from Radon, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, but Dallas Kuchel does not make me feel good is the slogan of this podcast. So we, we, we totally agree with you on that one. I, I was know. trying
1: to think of a way like, l- 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 let me try to be as at least respectful as possible over here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I am feeling not good about this.
0: I have important news. BetOnline is now the exclusive sports book of Locked On White Sox and the Locked On Podcast Network. There might be less football being played. I've only heard there's one more game. But betonline.net has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. From scores, total, player performance props, you can even bet on where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. BetOnline's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage are the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is the number one online wagering destination. BetOnline is also the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and to play your favorite games. Again, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all things wagering. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. Talking with Janice Scurio. She wrote the baseball prospectus essay for the 2022 White Sox. I want to talk to you about Liam Hendricks. I saw that he was naming all of the seven people that he walked with uh, Rob Friedman on a on pitcher list. Uh, really impressive year for him. But you also talked about the work that he added to the White Sox just uh, culturally and, and to the community. Um, why was that important to to write about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I did read the 2021 White Sox essay, which uh, did focus a lot on uh, social justice and a lot of the uh, causes uh, that were kind of uh, happening in uh, 2020. uh, A lot of the Black Lives Matter protests and a lot of the the, the extraneous issues uh, that were surrounding uh, the city of Chicago, especially when baseball was being played. And I definitely did not want to uh, stop the momentum there. I still wanted to talk about um, yeah. Big, we we play or uh, Major League Baseball is being played in a, in a very real world where we you know deal with all these important social issues. And so I I noticed uh, especially how Liam Hendricks and his wife Christy as well uh, have a uh, a very large uh, just a. a f- Philanthropic uh, interest in the LGBTQ community. And uh, yeah, as a queer person myself, uh, I thought that was amazing. And also, too, I looked into uh, the history of players supporting uh, Pride nights. And so uh, I asked around, and it seems as if Liam Hendricks is the first player in White Sox history to at least uh, be the face, voluntarily be the face of White Sox pride. Uh, and I attended Pride Night. I really had a really I had a great time. Uh, and the, there was a video of Liam Hendricks, like just happily hoisting the, the pride flag in front of uh, Guaranteed Rate Field. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, And I also looked into a lot of the things that the Hendrixes were doing. Uh, So they've uh, donated money to the Howard Brown Center, uh, really uh, crucial to uh, kind of help uh, LGBTQ uh, folks get like great health care. and uh, and yeah, um, it, it, it was really refreshing to kind of see a lot of that representation uh, and advocacy as well as allyship come through um, an actual White Sox player, um, as opposed to just, you know, the White Sox tweeting out a rainbow flag or right. just something to uh, push forward uh, rainbow capitalism. But
0: <laughs> well, and I thought it was interesting, too, just because, you know, Kenny Williams is like one of the only like head of baseball operations you know him being the executive vice president of the Sox um he's the only like uh, you know, color, person of color in that type of position that seems to be speaking out about the uh, hiring inequalities for front offices. So I think that was really interesting to see that develop uh, from the White Sox uh, bullpen and Liam Hendricks. And then also, I remember you know Ozzy using a slur to a reporter back in 2006. Like uh, uh, you know, so it's it's great to see that they're kind of looking to turn the page um, and improve relationships uh, with the communities that they they've, they've turned a blind eye to. Um, now going to somebody else uh, on the field, another big free agent signing uh you mentioned and i love this um where, where where was it i think it was just oh, he's evidence this is on liam hendricks he's evidence of how it's advantageous to pursue big name free agents in order to contend and here comes yasmani grandal uh you uh former milwaukee huge uh, yasmani grandal fan uh i love the story that you told i tried to find the exact at bat was that an actual at bat uh that, that you talked about in and, and, and detailed
1: uh, no, no, it, it was a fictional at bat. Uh, I just basically just had this game. Uh, yes, is at the plate. Uh, I, I even, uh, I, I, when I was visualizing how that this, that this fictional scenario uh, was going, uh, I, I, completely just, uh, forgot about like, what side of the plate is he batting on? <laughs> so I, I thought about that afterwards when I was at working with uh, my editor, uh, Patrick, uh, he's like, um, yeah. So where in the count are we uh, like what, what pitches is he seeing? Uh, Who is the pitcher on the mound? I, I actually didn't think the pitcher on the mound was that important, just mainly because I wanted the focus to remain on Yasmani and kind of the internal dialogue he's having with himself as uh, he's watching pitches. Uh, he's kind of, you know, throwing smirks with the catcher behind the plate. Uh, he's he's feeling the crowd, but mo- most of all, he's feeling himself. Uh, so most uh, I, I kind of imagine when Yasmani is taking his at bats, uh, he's being very careful. He's remembering his eye training. He's he's waiting for the pitches that he that he likes. Uh, yeah, just mainly because he's an extremely patient hitter. I mean, his walk rates and his on base percentage uh, is proof in the pudding there. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, that that was completely just made up in my head. Um <laughs> No, very
0: creative. And there was one that was also
1: very fun to write about.
0: There was one that was close. I think probably left-handed would make the most sense if he's hitting... Uh, at at the G rate and looking at Tony in the dugout. I think that would probably make the most sense. But uh, there was one that was really close. I think he had like a seven pitch at bat against Matt Shoemaker. Uh, So he was on the left-handed side. He hit a home run on on a 2-2 count. No, you you got really close on one. So I was wondering if there was a specific one that I was just completely missing. Uh, But great creativity there. Uh, The one thing too with uh, Grandal, I mean, are you worried about him and, and his catcher workload because I don't really like the talk of, you know, him playing first base or DH. Like I think that he is so important to the white Sox at that catcher position. Um, are, are you buying into that talk over 2022? How do you expect his 2022 uh, to look? Uh,
1: I think the catching workout workout, the catching workload uh, is expected to be pretty high for him, especially because uh, yeah, he's 33, 34 now. Uh, And uh, he he did have surgery before or right after the season ended. And I know that, uh, yeah, just being in that position for innings on end is like not good for your knees. Uh, So especially right after he had that um, that offensive outburst right after uh, he came back uh, back. uh, to the to the White Sox in September. Uh, I mean, historically, he's always done well in September, uh, but I, I definitely think that the extra rest certainly helped. So, uh, yeah, that, that was actually one of the things that was very uh, marketable about Yaz is that, yeah, he plays first base. Uh, yeah, he can definitely DH. He can definitely catch. And he did all those things from Milwaukee as well. Um, but uh yeah, uh, he's also an incredible catcher too uh but I think uh, something that needs to be considered is uh yeah uh the backup uh catcher position right now and kind of what that looks like uh here, I comes, mean, Sebi. Right now, here, comes, here comes Sebi. here comes here comes Zach Collins <laughs> and I actually do like sebby a lot uh, I, I I think uh yeah there's uh, i w- w- we saw the sebby's Zavala game last season too mm where, yeah, he hit all those home runs and the White Sox still managed to lose. Um, so th- th- there's a, also another great story there uh, in Sebi. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I know that Grandal works very well with the pitching staff, uh, especially. Uh, I, I know when uh, Grandal and Keichel were signed in the, uh, the, like the 2020 offseason, uh, Keichel actually made this comment at SoxFest about Yasmani Grandal saying that, oh, he's going to make me so much better. And yeah, I can definitely see that like a a great framing catcher and a corner painting lefty. Yeah, of course. That's a perfect combination there. Um, And he was right.
0: 2020 was great for Keuchel. Yeah. Yeah. 2020
1: was great. 2021. Not so much.
0: Yeah. And now, and now we can just show that that wasn't on grand all. It was just Keuchel being bad. Um, (laughs) The final thing on this podcast, we have been huge about right field. I think that the white Sox should sign Kyle Schwarber. I think that with their uh, left, the left-handed park factors, uh, or the park factors for left-handed hitters uh, for guaranteed rate would just be, would play perfectly into Schwarber's uh, type of hitting. I think that he'd be similar to grandall in a way. Um, what do you think about right field? You wrote about the idea that anyone could just be called at any moment uh, and they just need to be better than Adam Eaton. Uh, do you have a prediction for, for right field? Do you think that it's any, you know, it might be solved by somebody that's already on the roster. How do you vision 2022 right field playing out for the Sox?
1: Yeah, Sean, I think I think it should be you. You should go out there. I mean, you're you're a, you're a left handed hitter, right? Yeah, I'm a lefty. Yeah, I, as am I. I. I, too, am also a left handed hitter. Uh, so, yeah, it could be I, any one of us, really. Uh, so in that section of the essay, I, I wrote it in the second person again, just mainly because I wanted to pull the reader into the story and be like, mm-hmm. hey, uh, you are the new White Sox right fielder. And so you, like you are uh, being brought in with bright eyes and bushy tail with a bright eyed, bushy tailed outlook, and you want to make this team better. But the thing is, though, like from the outside, you might you might not possibly be the best option. Uh, so I think, uh, yeah, I agree with you there that, yeah, maybe Schwarber would be a fantastic fit. Um, again, like like you mentioned, you uh, a left-handed hitter uh, at guaranteed rate field. Holy crap. Um, But of course too, it's uh, the eternal problem that we have. Uh, It it seems as if um, there are, Always, just this chalk, the chalk load of fantastic options that uh, the White Sox front office doesn't seem to even want to touch. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, there's still a perfectly good uh, Nick Castellanos also sitting around as right. well. So, um,
0: Michael Conforto. I mean, they they, they got they got a pick.
1: Just hopefully they do that. pick. Yeah, Conforto, Castellanos. I mean, uh, there is still just a a wealth of options out there. Uh, But of course, too, uh, all of that came to a standstill. So we're going to have to wait uh, until, uh, yeah, uh, the owners put their big boy pants on and end the lockout.
0: Fingers crossed. (laughs) Uh, Final question outside of uh, I think I already said final question, but this is Final question. Uh, I know it was probably tough deciding what would be the biggest story for the Sox, which is why I think you probably ended up splitting it up into five stories. Um, If you had to pick, what is the most important question or story to the 2022 White Sox? And let's just say they'll they'll figure out the lockout. I know that's a a very big what if, but lockout aside, what is the biggest story for the 2022 Sox?
1: Goodness. I think the biggest story there is probably going to uh, lie in Michael Kopech. I, I know that uh, the team has big plans for him. They want to move him into the rotation, which I think is great. I kind of wish he would have pitched more innings last year in order to, you know, safely do so. Uh, but I feel as if, uh, yeah, he's going to be a fantastic addition to the rotation, uh, if they continue that, uh, development path for him. Uh, so maybe, uh, it's time to think of that 2022 cast of uh, season two of the HBO original series, White Sox. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I think Michael Kopek is going to be huge. Uh, one player that I kind of regret not writing a story for is Tim Anderson. Uh, so uh, that Hollywood ending at the Field of Dreams game. Um Probably the reason why I didn't uh, go that route is because it, it seemed as if a, it was a little too obvious of a story to write. Um, it, it's also been talked about quite a bit, uh, mostly by me. I, I've written so many times about that game. Uh, so, yeah, maybe there will be another uh, Field of Dreams-like moment uh, for Tim in 2022. But anyway, uh, I, I feel as if Michael Kopech and Tim Anderson will be um uh, some of the emerging characters in in, in this uh, new fictionalized White Sox universe that I just made up.
0: I want to thank Jana Scurio a ton for her time. Again, you can follow her at Scuriosa, at S-C-U-R-I-I-O-S-E a she is the co-host of the north side Sox podcast with sam sherman she is the co-host of the estrogen power hour with colleen sullivan keelan blue and crystal o'keefe you can read her writing at si south side Sox, nbc sports edge baseball and at baseball prospectus of course that's why we were talking today so shout out to janice for her time and I, I get her point about Tim Anderson because he is a very interesting, you know, interesting player, uh described as the straw that stirs the drink. The leadoff hitter, the guy that makes the team go, but I mean, there's probably an argument where Yohan Mankata might be a better leadoff hitter. Yet he is this guy that just exudes so much confidence, and he's such a leader out there. Uh, he is a very interesting story because it just seems like every single year his stock rises higher and higher. And I just wonder, you know, is the ceiling the roof for Tim Anderson? So I, I totally get her point about Tim Anderson, and of course you know, Michael Kopech. And we saw what he did last year. That's his rookie year. I mean, how much better uh, can he get? So uh, Janice Scurio made some great points. Hope you enjoyed our conversation. Again, you can follow her on Twitter at Scuriosa, S-C-U-R-I-I-O-S-A. Thank you again, Janice, for your time. Thank you for listening. If you did listen, thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. The next episode is a mailbag. Call in 312 312-566-8727. Or you can write in at lockdownsocks at gmail.com. Now go make your second listen, Lockdown Bets, your daily one stop shop for all your gambling needs. Lockdown Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. I will talk to you on Monday here on Lockdown Socks.